Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Time travel to fun in the 16th century at the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Ten stages, food, pubs, shopping, jousting. Saturday, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. On this episode, we're going to talk about the recent Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, with Elizabeth Slattery of the Heritage Foundation. And we'll talk a little bit more about the hashtag walkaway movement. I guess, and maybe a little bit about some movies and, I don't know, whatever else is on my mind, as we say on Trend Chat. Politics and other things, maybe. So, all that on this episode of Trend Chat. of America. Here's the podcast where we talk politics, a little entertainment, some culture, and this and that from the road to your ears. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe. And welcome to another episode of Trend Chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe. And if you want to connect, connect with us, whether on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or Snapchat, Gotta, I'm almost forgetting about that, but yeah, we also on Snapchat now. It's all the same name, Trend Chat 24-7. So, as I mentioned in the beginning, on Monday, President Trump made his announcement for who he wants to be the next Associate Justice in the Supreme Court. And he nominated Brett Kavanaugh. And... If anyone saw the protests that were going on outside, which started even before the the announcement was made and saw the various, I guess, pictures. And I know I posted something where someone had uh, stopped, you know, uh, something about it was a long like sign talking about SCOTUS and whatever. And and at the bottom, it said stop, but it was a blank space there. And so it was like they were just waiting for whoever the nominee was so they could insert the name <laughs> and they in the picture that i posted it was where they just you just saw cava c-a-v-a like they didn't finish the name yet because they were still you know t- wanting to figure out how to spell his name correctly because they didn't know because mainly they were going to protest whoever it was and 
you know, I can understand getting the kick out of that, and also other. I, I saw other posts where, um, where you had um, they, they had like three different signs ready to go. They had stop Hardeman and another stop Kevlich and stop Kavanaugh, and so they had them all ready. So they was all ready to oppose whoever it was they they didn't care who he was going to pick and also there was a a post from the women's march where they forgot to insert the name stating their opposition to the to the nominee so in the in the post all you see is two x's because they already written up that they opposed the the nominee and you know like i said i'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, you know this is all funny, especially amongst us conservatives. It's, it's funny to laugh at and everything, and I, hey, I got a kick out of it. But here's the thing for me: look, I understand <laughs> um, where they're coming from. It's funny that they got caught, yeah. But I understand the sentiment because I could just think back the past, you know, eight years with Obama. So we had Sotomayor and um and Kagan being nominated, and whoever else I don't remember who was in the running in those two um, nominations. But look, I before they would have he would have made the announcement, I probably would have been I mostly yeah I'm 100% sure I'm not even gonna say nine nine I'm 100% sure I would have been opposed to anybody he would have nominated, and you know why? Because I have no confidence that Barack Obama would appoint anyone that would be that would be a an originalist, um, constitutionalist, or anything upholding the Constitution. <laughs> I have no confidence that he would would do that, and I'm pretty sure they feel the same way right now with President Trump. If you're a liberal, and you know that President Trump is going to make a nomination, I'm pretty sure you feel the exact same way that I did that. You have no confidence that they're going that he is going to nominate someone that upholds whatever your values of I'm guessing of a living, breathing constitution in your in your mind as a liberal. So yeah, so like I said, I understand it, and and uh yeah, but like I said, but it still doesn't make it uh, make it not funny because it is, especially. Especially the one with the women's march, because you know, you would think people in that organization would be a little more organized and to the to not do something like that. So, but um, but in talking about you know the Supreme Court, we're we're going to talk with Elizabeth Slattery, who is a legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Also, she does a podcast called SCOTUS One on One, and a, a podcast that. I've I've been listening to uh, maybe for the past at least over a year, and it's funny. Um, what well, you know, I was going to mention this when I do the introduction, but um, I I came across this podcast, Scotus One on One, that uh, she and and Tiffany Bates, but um, I don't think she'll be on after this past term. But yeah, I I came across this podcast mainly because I wanted to know more about the Supreme Court. And also because I was just thinking about, I mean, I guess somewhat of a of a litmus test 
to to ask someone to see how how involved they are in politics is to ask them do you know all nine supreme court justices Cause like if you know that then you probably are pretty engaged right and that now I guess that question came up some somewhere I don't know, and I got like well, I obviously got all the ones that were, were conservative. Actually, I didn't. I, I think I, I think I forgot about Alito, <laughs> but um, but at that time I was like, all right, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was Thomas, yeah, there's Roberts, and then well, at that time it was Scalia, and then I was thinking like, oh man, who's that? Who's that? And then I, you know, I totally forgot. At that time, if I remember right, the the justices that I kept forgetting about were Alito, Breyer, and those are the two that I always kept forgetting, either both of them or one of them. Whenever, whenever I will um, come across that question, and anyway, but it wasn't like I was asked on on the um, on TV or something where I didn't know. It was just something I was seeing myself and you know watching other <laughs> watching other people stumble through it and <laughs> for the most part not even know one and from that i just like i want to know more about um about the supreme court and at least know the names and so from that i kind of looked up supreme court podcast because i mean that's the main thing for me i mean yeah i do a podcast and hey i appreciate you listening and as always, like, share, subscribe, tell everybody you know, and let's continue to grow Trench Chat on this podcast. <laughs> but I also listen to a lot of podcasts myself. And I was looking up like a Supreme Court podcast. And that's when I came across SCOTUS 101. And coming from an organization I, I definitely um, enjoy and, and like uh their content being the Heritage Foundation, also being a Heritage Action Seminal. Um, if you don't know what that is, I mean, it's basically um, people who who kind of the I guess kind of hold their their Congress <laughs> Congress people <laughs> account, accountable. I guess um, just and we get like you know. We have what they call like a signal call, and we go over the things that are going on on Capitol Hill and kind of get some ideas as far as whether um, to contact um, our representative. And you know, just it, it it it's it really helps to for someone that wants to get engaged and really um you know get involved, especially with contacting their. Um, their representative or senator or whatnot. So, but yeah, so that's the Sona program in, in a nutshell. Um, hopefully, we might get someone from the from Heritage Action to even to talk a little bit more about that. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks or maybe a month or so. So, but yeah, I came across the podcast and I like okay, yeah, I like this and I I've learned a lot and so yeah. Like I said, we'll we'll talk with Elizabeth later on about that. So now, but I definitely wanted to talk about, I guess, about the hashtag walk away movement in a way. Now, I did talk about it, you know, 
a, a little bit in the last episode, which if you haven't heard the one um, called Partisan Platform Censorship with uh, West Cook Band and Naomi Levin. And I talked about it then basically just um, saying why I walked away because I didn't I noticed that it's been about 10 years since I walked away. So to see this movement going on, I just put my two cents in. But it's not like it. it's not something that just happened. I mean, obviously, obviously, if you're listening to me right now, you know, this hasn't been it's not recent. But when I noticed that it's been pretty much 10 years ago, that's when I just I posted a tweet about it. And just to sum up a little bit about what I said last last week, where um, there were issues that I just totally disagreed with the Democrats and their policies and what they advocated for. And I just say, just go down the list. Uh, first was abortion. I didn't, I definitely did not, I didn't understand how they can be so callous and killing a child, basically. So, and that, that was one, their stance on illegal immigration, I, I did not agree with their stance on taxes their Yeah. So just, I mean, those, those were the main three. So, yeah, so I, I kind of went a little more in depth in that in the last episode. So check that out. But what I want to talk about here is that I'm seeing how much this movement has grown in the past, especially in the past week or two, but I think it's been going on a little bit longer than this. But, um, the one thing that I want to stress to anyone that is listening to this episode that has in the past couple of weeks decided to hashtag walk away what i want to encourage you to whoever is listening to be prepared for the backlash that you're probably going to receive from friends and family um especially if you were if you were an outspoken liberal, you know, especially because that probably means nine times out of ten you have a lot of liberal friend friends and and family as well. So, uh, don't. This is not going to be a easy path. If you if you continue down this road, it, it's not. It's gonna it's gonna have a lot of. Uh, to be honest with you, going to be a lot of downs more than ups. <laughs> Actually, the the upside, especially, is uh, you know standing up for what you truly believe. If that's what you believe, then yeah, then I say it's worth it to to continue on. And you know, if you have friends or family that want to totally you know cut you out of their life, then that's on them. If they can't respect your truly held belief on you know on these issues and just don't want anything to do with you i mean personally i say that's their loss then just move on i know myself i went through that for about maybe two or three years back in so starting back in 2008 so i mean nowadays anybody that knows me especially if they're following me on facebook or twitter or whatnot they know where i stand so anyone that comes up comes to me now basically they don't know me 
And, you know, I have a, I guess, my policy in a way of, or how I deal with a lot of people. Because I know sometimes I, I get asked, how do you deal with all, you know, some of the hate that you get from people calling you, you know, uh, uh, whether it's a coon or all of these. I mean, there's like a million different you know, derogatory terms that uh, people use as far as it. I think recently, like someone was talk, was saying that, oh, well, you're just a tool for the Republican Party or something like that. So um, how do I deal with it? For one, I don't care. <laughs> that's basically that is, for, you know, that's my first thought. I, I, I don't care what you think. <laughs> I really don't. You can say what you want. So what? For one, you don't know me. So, if I like, if I come across someone that actually knows me, okay, I might actually engage and talk about you know about things. And if we disagree, if we disagree, and you still feel that way, well, well, fine. I'm still don't care. So, and so that that for me it makes it it's nothing to me. You can say what you want. Uh, you know the the thing for me, I. I always think about whoever is making the criticism and whoever's saying whatever. The first thing that comes across my mind, I'm considering the source for a number of reasons. One, I consider the source. If if the person is a complete stranger, then why do I care? Uh, I don't. I, why do I care about what he or she thinks? So, um, and if it's yeah, basically, it's, that's it. If it's someone that I don't know, maybe if it's someone that I um, respect, put it that way, I might think about it for a second and then maybe investigate what they're actually talking about and maybe reflect on it that way. Outside of that, you know, complete strangers on social media calling you all sorts of names or whatever. And? <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel personally. I'm like, so what? You can yap all you want to. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't make me change how I, you know, how I view things, and not. <laughs> it's definitely not going to make me all of a sudden. Oh, you know what? You're right. You know, you you called me a coon. You know what? I, I, I you're right. I need to stop doing this. <laughs> like that's really not persuasive at all. I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that. They're not trying to persuade. They're just trying to basically shut me up in a way. They want to call you all sorts of names to make you kind of, you know, cower and be afraid to say anything because you don't want to be called names by those mean people. And, and like I said, for me, I, I can care less about your opinion. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's the thing. Like, like I said, that what I'm talking about right now, that's the kind of hate you're going to receive person who may who is listening now that has walked away from voting democrat and see the thing about it that's one thing i like about this particular movement too is that it's about walking away from voting democrat it's not even saying okay i hashtag walk away from voting democrat and i'm going to become a republican i mean if that's if that's the case all right fine you know but this whole movement is about just walking away from voting Democrat and just not ag not agreeing with what they're advocating for. 
Now, where do you go from there? That's on on you. But at least that, at least you have looked at the policies and has you know have come to a conclusion that you know you do not want to support this party anymore. I can respect that. What I can, what I really don't get is the people who continue to vote or to continue to support a party like the Democrat Party when they disagree with everything. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, you know, I don't agree with abortion, but you continue to vote Democrat. I don't agree with what they, you know, that they're basically valuing illegal aliens over, you know, over the citizens of this country, or basically advocating for open borders, or you know, now abolishing ICE and and you know, and on and on when it comes to illegal immigration. Yeah, yeah, I don't agree with none of that, but I'm going to continue to vote. Democrat, you know, like if you disagree with the party or any group, basically more than I don't know to put a number on it, but I mean, if you more than half, if you disagree with more than half of what they're talking about, that should really make you think about: Do I really want to continue, you know, continue supporting this party or whatever group you're talking about? Not even talking about politics, but just anything. So, um, so yeah, I, like I said, it's gonna, um, it, it, it is going to be a tough road. I, I suspect, I mean, you may have some that, um, that may have more of a smooth transition than others, but I, I think those are more the exception than the rule. I think it's going to be a lot and you're going to find out real quick in the next couple of <laughs> In the next couple of months, you know, all the people who have made these claims on social media that, okay, I have hashtag walked away. And then when they get this onslaught of hate and basically everybody in their circle has turned against them, called them all sorts of names. If if they're not rooted and truly believe in what they're walking away from and and not really haven't really thought that through then they'll be walking back (laughs) after they've walked away they'll walk right back so so i i know it's it it can be a little trendy right now to to do this to kind of feel like a rebel in a way but yeah understand what you're getting yourself into because this is not going to be uh some easy breezy (laughs) Um, path you're going to go on but yeah I I just want to put that out there but like I said before if you truly believe in in these beliefs and believe that you don't want to support the Democrat Party I think it's worth it to stand up and make that known and and stand firm if that's what you believe so and also you know you they will well, I'm trying to think. Well, depending on how much you engage, um, you will definitely get new friends. So, I mean, in the end, it, if like I said, if you really going down this road, it's, it, it is worth it. So, but you just gotta gotta hold strong. I'm telling you, it's gonna it's gonna be a bumpy ride. So, 
So, yeah, that's that's all I want to, I guess, to... I said it was, this was encouragement. I, I hope this was encouraging. Because <laughs> encouraging the way to let you know to of what to expect and not to be like um, totally surprised when it happens if you're listening to me and like oh well I okay Brian actually said that this might happen and be a little more prepared so I hope it's encouraging in that way hope by me saying this I'm like oh it's going to be like that oh, maybe I should walk back hashtag walk back <laughs> but um but yeah so alright before we get to our interview with uh, Elizabeth Larry Let's hear a word from my friends with the Founder Project. Hello, Trend Chat listeners. If you like the Founding Project's civics education video series, Civics for All Ages, and our educational meme series, we think you will love our new website. Join us at thefoundingproject.com and be a part of the civics movement. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today. So, now, I did say I was going to talk about a little bit, a little bit about some movies. So I guess I'll get into that right now. Now, this week, Skyscraper comes out. Now I haven't seen it yet. I haven't gotten to the, I haven't gotten to the to the point to where I get media passes to watch movies early. <laughs> So, <laughs> have to watch it like everyone else, and you know it's a it's an action movie with the uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So right now, I just go by Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> it's kind of wrestling days are kind of behind him now. So, um, and it looks like it's going to be a fun movie. I'm going to check it out tonight. Well, tonight and. It seems like it's definitely making. It, well, it, it doesn't hide the fact that they're taking cues, you know, from Die Hard and um, the Tower in Inferno. So it's not like they're hiding that. They they have made that known. That's where the inspiration comes from. So, like I said, I'm gonna gonna check that out. I think it's I think it's gonna be pretty good. It's gonna be your, I guess you could say your average <laughs> Dwayne Johnson movie in a way. You know whether it's Rampage or you know uh, San Andreas or you know his action movies, and they're they're all good. I I've watched them all, so um, going to check that out. Who knows? I might have something to say about it next week. I know. Also, I haven't mentioned anything about movies I've seen in the past couple of weeks. I know I saw Ant Man and the Wasp last week. That was pretty good. I really like. The, you know where they where they went with the story, and it was definitely uh, on a smaller scale. I mean, obviously we're talking about you know Ant Man being <laughs> being small, but the whole movie in general was a, was on a much smaller scale compared to Infinity War, <laughs> and it it was basically a family movie. The 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 plot of the movie kind of was based on family in a way just saying that and trying not to spoil parts of the movie. So, but one thing I will say is that even though I enjoyed 
this movie, I didn't like it as much as the first Ant-Man. Because I felt like the first Ant-Man had a, a great balance of comedy and action. And I feel like pretty much a lot of the... A lot of com- a lot of the comedy in the first one were was on point, and it was you know it was hidden on all cylinders. On Ant Man and the Wasp, I felt like a lot of the com- comedy was a little flat. <laughs> um, some of the jokes kind of like made me, I guess, giggle. It just made you chuckle <laughs> more so than laugh out loud. Because I remember watching Ant Man; it was that was a really funny movie, but it was also a, a good you know comic book movie as well kind of like um thor ragnarok as ant-man and those two movies kind of were similar in how they um how they balanced the comedy and action but um like i said this one kind of felt a little flat i kind of just like hmm some of the stuff wasn't as funny (laughs) i know i saw jurassic world fallen kingdom i saw that a couple of weeks ago um that also like ant-man and the wasp was more of a one watch i guess type movie you know you you watch it just one time you probably wouldn't watch it again the only reason you might watch both of these movies again will will probably be to see little clues that are connected to other films so like ant-man and the wasp you might watch it again to see what clues are in there for infinity war and for you know um for well it's not not called infinity war whatever the avengers 4 is you might want to watch it for that and you might watch jurassic world fallen kingdom when jurassic world 3 comes out because it definitely was a setup for three (laughs) it definitely was that so and i can't remember what else i watched i I saw i saw oceans 8 that was pretty good that was pretty good i don't know if i mentioned this one before but I, you know that was pretty good uh, another one one time watch um but again you may watch it again just because there might be a oceans nine just to kind of refresh your, yourself on it outside of that i don't see myself watching that again but um i you know the performances were pretty good well you know what speaking of performances right quick uh, the actress that played that little girl in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the actress played the role well, but the character she was playing was just the worst, I tell you. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say without trying to spoil the, mov- the movie for you, but to me, that ca- that little girl, that character in that movie was just the worst, especially at the end. Man, that, I mean, it's, it's irritating. That's probably was the most irritating character <laughs> Especially at the end of, of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It irritated me to no end after that movie went off. I'm like, oh, she, I can't believe. Anyway, yeah, I'm, yeah I don't want to get into that. So, because I'll turn out doing a rant. And next thing I know, um, we won't even get into our interview with Elizabeth. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it was a good movie. And if you see it, you might agree with me when you see the end of it about that, about that little girl's character. So, anyway. Before we get into our interview, let's hear another word from Politichicks. Hello, this is Brian Bledsoe, host of Trend Chat. 
also contributor at politichicks.com. Here to tell you about the new book called Politichicks, A Clearing Call to Political Activism, with over 300 pages from contributors like myself talking about topics such as education, social issues, healthcare, the Second Amendment, and of course, activism. I encourage you all to check it out at politichicks.com and is also available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Politics and other stuff, maybe. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe. Hello, this is Trend Chat, and we are very pleased to have Elizabeth Slattery with us. She is a legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation, and she also do a podcast called SCOTUS One-on-One. How are you doing, Elizabeth? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing doing pretty good. So, President Trump has made his announcement who he wants to be the next Supreme Court Justice, and his name is Judge Brent Kavanaugh. So, I guess before we really get started, I guess give my listeners, I guess, a little overview about who is Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh is currently a judge on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which is uh, has long been regarded as a stepping stone to the Supreme Court. A number of other Supreme Court justices have, in fact, come from that from that court. He uh, he is a graduate of Yale College and Yale uh, the Yale Law School. He clerked for Justice Kennedy on the Supreme Court, so the justice. Um, whose seat he has been nominated to fill. Uh, he worked for the Solicitor General of the United States and then later for the Independent Counsel uh, during the investigation into President Clinton. Uh, and then he went on to, to work directly for President George W. Bush as his staff secretary for several years before he was appointed to the D.C. Circuit. That was in 2003 that he was nominated, but... Democrats controlled the Senate at the time, and he was not confirmed for another three years. So he has been on the D.C. Circuit for 12 years. He has written hundreds of opinions. He's given speeches, written books, and and written extensively about his views of the law. Uh, And I think President Trump hit it out of the park with this nomination. I've read your article, along with John Malcolm, uh, on uh, uh, the Daily Signal about Trump hit a home run with this with his nomination. And one thing I want to mention was, um, uh, well, first let me ask, how do you think it's going to go with the Senate hearings as far as his nomination go? Yeah. So I think the, the hearings are likely to be later this summer and, you know, uh, uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, who's the minority leader for the Democrats, he said yesterday after the nomination was announced that we're going to give it everything we've got. So I think we can expect to see the mudslinging to start, and they're they're going to try to come up with anything they can uh, to to try to persuade Republicans to to vote uh, along with them against Brett Kavanaugh. But given his his credentials, his record, uh, his service to our country, you know, working in in the executive branch and then as a judge, I think it's going to be a hard case for the Democrats to make that this is not a qualified individual. Brett Kavanaugh is everything that you want in a Supreme Court justice, and he's, you know, he has a record of being fair and impartial and principled, and that's what we need on the Supreme Court. Okay. Well, in his writings and, and all his decisions leading up to this point, I guess, I guess what, what would be, I guess, one way of, of looking at his decisions being more originalist? Like, I don't know all the, the different terms as far as, because I know... We, when we talk politically, we want to say like conservative or liberal, but when we talking about justice, it's kind of it's a little different. It's about mainly being a you know originalist or a constitutionalist, or I actually don't even know what's the opposite 
of originalness is would be what what would what is that? in the living constitution <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i i know that's i mean you know like an evolving or living breathing constitution i would just wonder was there an actual term you know for that as opposed to you know, most people when you say like originalist you kind of know what that means but for the other yeah, side they don't have a, a snappy ism for that but you know believing in you know the evolving constitution the living constitution okay. generally is what it's called yeah okay i i just didn't know i was just i wanted to ask you because I, I figured you would know more than i would i was trying to google it couldn't find nothing myself so <laughs> so would uh would kavanaugh be considered an originalist or, or what kavanaugh is a committed textualist he has written and talked about how the text of the law is the law, and judges are not to try to remold or or um, update statutory language just because they they think it's not working or they think that uh, you know a different policy interest would be better served. He understands that that is not the job of a judge; that is the job of a legislator. And he understands that that he is not a legislator; he is not a politician. He is is supposed to be a, a fair and impartial uh, arbiter of the law, and that's exactly what his record shows. Okay. Now I remember reading through the article and everything, and there was one thing in particular that I maybe I missed it, or I wanted to ask you about is like what is his stance on star decisis? Now, I'm only saying that term one time only because I heard it on the podcast and now I know what it means. But <laughs> So I just wanted to sound smart. But, yeah, but for one, let, let people know what that means and also what is the stance on that. Yeah, so stare decisis is a, is a doctrine that the Supreme Court will invoke uh, when they're looking at a case where they've been asked to overrule one of their previous cases. So sometimes they will overrule something that was decided before. This this happened uh, in a couple of cases this very term. Uh, but other times they will decide to invoke this doctrine, stare decisis, which in Latin means to let settled things lie, basically. Um, and they'll invoke this doctrine to uphold that earlier decision. Uh, and that does not mean that they necessarily agree that the decision was correctly decided or that it's the best interpretation of the law or the Constitution, whatever the case may be, but that they look at a, a variety of factors, including what sort of reliance interests are there on this decision uh, and, and, you know, what would overturning it, um, what would that look like, you know, in practice? And so uh, what do you think um, Kavanaugh's stance would be on that? Well, he wrote a book all about precedent along with 11 other appeals court judges, including then-judge Neil Gorsuch, who's, of course, now on the Supreme Court. And, you know, as a, as a lower court judge, he has been deferential to Supreme Court rulings because it is not the job of lower court judges to, uh, to challenge or overturn uh, the decisions of the Supreme Court, of course, uh, once he is on the Supreme Court, um, that that will be a different case. And if an appropriate case comes before him, uh, before the justices, and, and enough of them agree to overturn something, then, of course, they, they can do that. Uh, so I think we're likely to learn a lot more about his views on precedent and stare decisis. I think that's something that's going to be fleshed out extensively in in the confirmation hearings later this summer. Yeah, I have a feeling that especially some of the Republican members are going to ask that particular question. <laughs> I just have a feeling I that's going to... I think we'll hear from both sides. Yeah, from oh, both yeah, yeah. sides. Well, well, yeah, yeah, for obvious reasons. <laughs> I guess we want to kind of go into the podcast, um, SCOTUS 101. And I actually want to start off 
on something that you do on the podcast called what Scotus Trivia. Now, look, it's not going to be di- it's not going to be very difficult because it's me giving the questions, <laughs> and, and it's mainly just one question because it's just something I've been thinking about for the past I mean past couple of years, especially. And it's about um, Justice Ginsburg, and I just wanted to ask you: is she the is she the oldest person serving in the uh, Supreme Court? Well, I mean, overall, is she still is, or who is it? Yeah, she she's currently the oldest uh, member of the Supreme Court. She, I believe, she's 84, or if she hasn't turned 84, um, her birthday is coming up later this year. Um, you know, uh, but uh, John Paul Stevens, who retired in uh, 2010, I believe he was older at the time when he retired. And, you know, she has said that she's going to do the job until she feels like she can't do it full steam. And, you know, it's it's her decision to make. Yeah. You know, I, I could have just, you know, Googled that like everything else. But I just want to ask you because I, I just want to do a little trivia. <laughs> but I, I just. Love, I, love, I love trivia. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, well, tell everyone about SCOTUS 101. I mean, personally, I really love listening to the podcast. It, that's really helped me a lot as far as learning about Supreme Court, like turn Black Star decisions and stuff like that. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you listened to it. So SCOTUS 101 is a podcast produced by the Heritage Foundation, and I am uh, the host of it. And we, we talk about everything that's happening at the Supreme Court from issues involving uh, the, the, you know, the, the lives of the justices to the cases that are before the court. We, we interview people um, who have clerked for justices. We've interviewed a few sitting federal judges to talk about their careers. And uh, we, like you mentioned, we play trivia called Supreme Trivia, where we try to stump our guests with with questions uh, related to you know some sort of theme related to the episode uh, that they are that they are a part of, and uh, I think it's a it's a great overview of what the court is doing uh, in addition to um, you know outside of just the cases that they that they hear and the opinions that they're deciding. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's not like someone if if you don't know anything about the Supreme Court, it's not like it's going to like go over your head. You know, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm saying to someone that's been listening, it's really good as far as, you know, giving you insight and really giving you more knowledge about how the Supreme Court works and everything. So that one thing in particular that I want to mention, I know like Justice Thomas, you know, Justice Clarence Thomas, just I guess just from hearing the podcast and just I know I, I kind of came around to kind of having my favorite justice. <laughs> and, you know, so because of how he interprets, you know, the Constitution and kind of had, I've kind of come to the conclusion that he's my favorite one right now. Um, so. <laughs> well, you're in good company. I'm a big fan of, of Justice Thomas's. Yeah. And, you know, as a truck driver, I, I did hear his lecture on um, at Heritage uh, a couple of months ago where he talks about going in his RV and, and stopping at different truck stops. I, I really hope I've run into him one day at a, one of these truck stops. So, <laughs> Well, he and his wife, Jenny, are probably out, you know, as we speak. It's the, it's the summer recess for the court, so this is the time when, when they're uh, t- touring around the country in, in, their, um, in their bus. You know, and like I said, hopefully I meet them, and I will actually recognize them. You know, unlike the story they just said where the guy didn't recognize him or, or said that he looked like him but didn't know it was him. <laughs> so, yeah. So, oh, so when do they um? So when do they meet again? 
they'll be back. Um, their their first official day is October first. Uh, that'll be the first day of argument. Uh, but they'll start meeting again in September, where well they're they will review all of the, the cases that have been um, sent up to them over the summer and, and they'll uh, take a look at those and decide if they are going to add any of those to, to their schedule for the 2018-2019 term. Oh, you know what? This is another question I wanted to ask. Um, how, how does it all work as far as the term? So it's like they meet twice a year or and how does it work throughout in the way every year? So the uh, the arguments start in October, and they have several sittings throughout the year uh, from from October through April. They, they, they meet most of those months for a couple of weeks and, and have arguments. And then during that time, of course, they're continuing to review new cases that come in and decide whether or not they should uh, take those up and review them um, and, and ultimately issue an opinion. Uh, they, they also, you know, uh, during that time start to issue opinions on the cases they are hearing and then they typically release all of their opinions by the end of June um, every year and then they, they adjourn for the summer. Okay. How can everyone get in touch with you on social media and also where they can find SCOTUS 101? Well, SCOTUS 101 is available on pretty much every podcast uh, platform and you can also follow us at SCOTUS 101 on Twitter, or you can email us at scotus101 at heritage.org. Uh, you can also follow me. Uh, my personal Twitter is EH Flattery. Okay. Elizabeth, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Uh, yep. And thanks to Elizabeth for joining us. And, well, we're at the end now. So <laughs> I appreciate everyone listening. Like, share, subscribe. I always say that. I know. And we we appreciate everyone listening. And just, yeah, Google, iTunes, iHeartRadio, maybe on Spotify if you saw that that post that we may be on Spotify soon. So, yeah, so appreciate everyone listening. And you know what? Until next week, we'll chat with you later. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today. 833-687-0700. 833-687-0700. Six eight seven zero seven zero zero. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health 
treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today. 833-687-0700. 833-687-0700.